You're listening to the Eastside Church Sunday Morning Message. Stay tuned for a message from our guest speaker, Tim Zakarian. It's great to be up here, and, and then your pastor called me young, man. He's so, he is generous, isn't he? It's so good to be here. I love Creekside. I actually have been here a few times, uh, spoken before, uh, way back when past the legend, Pastor Terry and Trina were here, and I love them. actually was just with them uh, yesterday, and we did a pastor's retreat down in uh, uh, the Pismo Beach area, actually, and uh, had a great time there, but you have some incredible pastors, and Pastor George and Kristen, they've done an incredible job. Give them a hand, how much you appreciate them. And I, I know you know this, but I get to visit a lot of churches, and you have an incredible staff, and Pastor Jacob, and Christina, and Pastor Jesse, and Brooke, and I know the rest of the team that you have. You're really blessed to, to have the team that you have here. Make sure you let them know how much you appreciate them. It was fun uh, when I got here early just to see how many people early, like it was 8.30, were here early to serve. And uh, it, it was just incredible to see so many of you involved, so many of you in serving and, and being part of the team. You, you truly have a great church here and you truly have a great team here. Now, one thing you may not know or you may know that my son Michael Zakarian was the youth pastor here uh, probably about four or five years ago. And uh, he loved it here. Uh, it actually was his first time away from home, and you guys loved him. And you know what? He found his wife down here as well. Uh, and, uh, and just it really cherished the time here down at Creekside. And, and uh, so this church always has a special heart, uh, for, for a special place in my heart as well. Now, Pastor George mentioned I'm the Associate Director for Open Bible Pacific Region. You're like, what in the world is that? What does that really mean? I actually oversee two main areas for Open Bible in our region. I oversee Next Gen, which is uh, youth and um, young adults. And so if actually Pastor Jesse and Brooke have been part of that. We, do, we just got done doing a conference called Movement for Young Adults. Had over 240 uh, young adults there for a conference down in LA and then we do a lot of youth things for youth pastors uh, we did a training event that Pastor Jesse and Brooke went to for our youth pastors youth staff we actually have an event coming up in Lodi uh, for our student leaders uh, it's, it's called um, Lead Conference 2023 and so I get to have the privilege of being part of that because you know what our next generation is really important isn't it and and I know you invest in the next generation to me, they're not the church of tomorrow, the church of today, and impact us today. And I'm, so I'm really excited and honored to be part of that. The other thing I get to do is I get to do what's called our church resource network. I get to help our churches out, come alongside of our pastors with coaching, resourcing, training. Um, and so sometimes pastors need help. They need support. Um, actually, when I, I started a church called Waypoint Community Church in Springfield, Oregon, and I needed support. I needed people to come alongside of me. And actually, Pastor George is on that team. He's actually coaching a pastor that's brand new, being a lead pastor. And he gets to coach them and help them along and take his experience and help them kind of what the next step should be. And I love it. I get to go visit a lot of churches, get to see just a lot of different ministries. And I love Creekside. I love what you do here. Uh, one thing I love about Creekside and always have loved about your church is you are so involved in the community. Um, 
I know about the crab feed that you do and the schools that you've been involved. In fact, sometimes the things you've done in the schools have been amazing and how you've loved your schools and how you've been connected to your schools. I even saw when I drove up the Trunk or Treat banner and, uh, and I just thought, how exciting it is going to see all these kids and families from our community come in to our church property and, and be able to be loved and, and know that they're loved from you. And, and that just really, it touches my heart um, for, for Creekside and, and your love for your community. And it's easy, I think, sometimes for a church that's been around for a long time uh, a lot of churches, they start out loving their community, they get involved in their community, but after a while, it's easy for a church to become more inward-focused than outward-focused. In other words, they focus more on themselves. They focus more on the Christians, or they focus more on their programs, and they forget about, many times, outside the church, the community itself. Um, I told you I started a church in Springfield, Oregon, and many times, uh, church plants or uh, new churches, which actually Pastor George started a church as well, um, they're really good at reaching people in the community. But I found out even at the church I was at um, that it began to change the, the longer the church was around. And I found out when my son Michael came back up to our church and was the youth pastor there, and he actually, when he got up there, he just, the, the youth group just exploded. It went to 130 kids, and many of those kids were unchurched kids. They've never been to church before. Um, in fact, I would say at least 50 of them were totally unchurched. So they didn't know, like, they walk in a room, you're playing worship music. Like, what in the world is that, you know? And, and they just have no idea. They have no idea about sitting down and listening to a message for 20, 25 minutes in youth group. Um, and so they, they were a little rowdy. They were a little bit messy. They would cause some problems. They probably, at times we had to call the police sometimes, or at times uh, things got ruined or spilled. We even got things stolen at times. And, um, and I understand the importance of boundaries, and we worked hard to have boundaries, and we worked hard to make sure the kids were safe. Um, but I began to hear church people complaining. And they began saying things like this. They began to say, um, don't you know that these kids are, are rowdy? Don't you know that they're loud? Don't you know they're ruining our carpet? And then I began to hear even these things. Why are they even here? Maybe they should be uh, going to something else instead. And I'm thinking, what, there's like a minor league church league or what? You know, it's like, it's like but it broke my heart because we're better for unchurched kids to be than in the church. What a better place. Yeah, I think even at our church at Waypoint when I was there, it, it be, it, 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 but we weren't careful. It began to think more about itself than about the community. I think this happens to us individually as well without us sometimes even realizing it. There's a stat out there that says this. It says someone that's new to church will bring more people to Christ or more people to church than a Christian that's been around a long time. Now, for me, I think that's backwards. Wouldn't you think, like, somebody that's been serving the Lord for a long time 
would know how to bring people to church, would love to bring people to church, and would be really good at it because they know Jesus really well. Wouldn't you think that would be the case? But the stat came to this conclusion. It said that the person that's unchurched and is newly churched, I'm going to say, has more relationships outside the church than a person that's gone to church for a long time. And that's easily happens. We become almost, if we're not careful, if you're a Christian in this room, we could become like a club. And there's, there's our group and there's everyone else on the outside. And that's easy to happen as well to any of us as an individual. And I began to wonder, is like, what is Jesus' heart for your community, for my community? What about your church? What about you personally? What is it that Jesus really cares about? So if you're new to church today, you get the honor and privilege to hear about what Jesus really cares about. And we're going to talk about three parables. And a parable isn't a real story. Jesus tells a parable. It's a, it's a, it's a story to, to bring home a point that's not real. He's trying to give you an illustration or a point, an important point. And in these parables that he gives, you really see his heart. If you're new to church today or, or haven't been to church before, um, these will be new to you, and I just want to encourage you to hear Jesus' heart and who he is. If you've been in church a while, you've heard these before. And I just want to encourage you not to say, oh, I've heard it before, because let's be honest, if you've been in church a while, you've heard everything. But I want to encourage you to allow the main idea to go from your head to your heart today. And ask the Holy Spirit, is, Lord, what are you speaking to me today? So I'm going to start out in um, actually Luke chapter 15. And it says this. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners. I just want to stop there. It's like, why are the tax collectors singled out and then they're sinners? So if you're a tax collector in here, I'm sorry. I, now I could probably give you the whole reason, but I don't want to do that today because that's not what I'm going to try to go at, but I just thought it was interesting. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners are all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Now, I want to stop there real quick because I want you to see that Jesus welcomed people. Why? They were still in their sin. It wasn't when they cleaned up their act. It wasn't when they became good people. He welcomed them why they were still in their mess. Now, I wasn't raised in the church, and I'll share with you a little bit about, more about my story, but I wouldn't come to church because I knew I was a mess. And I thought to come to church or to come to God that I had to clean up my act before I walked through those doors. In fact, when I was in school, my Christian friends would tell me I had to clean up my act before I came to church. They, they would push morals on me and say, you know, they would talk about morals and morals and morals and that I'm a bad person. It just made me feel like a worse person and kept me further away from church or God. And I think it's important now, moral, being a good person, it's all important, but that comes later. I think it's important that Jesus welcomes people right where they're at. He welcomes you where you're at. He loves you where he's at. And I think this is important to see that 
that Jesus welcomes people where they're at. Now he goes on to tell this parable. He says, then Jesus told him this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And then when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep, I tell you. In the same way, there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Now, when I think about this story, I'm mixed on this. It's like Jesus is giving this parable, and he kind of gives this, wouldn't you just go after the one? And I, I think about it, I'm mixed. Because if I had 100 sheep and I lost one, would I leave the 99 vulnerable and risk more and go after the one that's lost? Part of me says no. Part of me says that I would play it safe, stay with the 99, <laughs> and count my losses. But then I started thinking about how frantic we get when we lose something. Have you ever lost your purse or wallet? (laughs) And the search you do for that thing? I remember I was at Disneyland and I got my wallet out and um, it was back in the days where they had the fast passes and the tickets you got and you had, to, you had to get out your, your park pass and put it in a machine, and you'd get a ticket back to get on a ride early. And so I got out my wallet, and what I did is I actually got my passes out, I put it in the machine, and then I panicked. I didn't know where my wallet was at. Can you imagine losing your wallet or purse at Disneyland? <laughs> and this fear just hit me, and I was scared so scared and I looked around the machine I looked around the floor and I started to panic and all along my wallet was right here tucked in my arm (laughs) but so I understand the panic of something that's lost why do we care because it's valuable right your your purse or your wallet is valuable to you because what's inside of it and you think about your license your credit card your cash your IDs, all those kinds of things that are valuable to you. And I love how Jesus gives this example on how every person is valuable. Every person counts. You count. Your neighbor counts. Your community, people in your community count. Your coworker counts. That person that you can't stand is valuable to Jesus. As I mentioned, I wasn't raised in the church. And actually, your pastor, I don't believe, was raised either in the church. And I'm a miracle that I'm here. I'm a miracle that I'm even standing up before you. If you were to ask me when I was younger, what do you want to be when you grow up? It was never to be, a pastor wasn't even on the list. All I wanted to do was make money. And when I was growing up, uh, I was 14 years old. I was in junior high school. And our high school football team made it to the city championship, and they got to play at the L.A. Coliseum in downtown L.A. Yes, I'm from Los Angeles, so boo or cheer, however you want to do it. Uh, There you go. I can make you boo worse, right, if I say one word, right? Dodgers! But, uh, (laughs) all right, how about 49ers? See how easy that is? Okay, But, um, but anyway, so growing up down in L.A., um, I, I went to the, um, the, our football team was at the L.A. Coliseum, 20 minutes away from where I lived. I lived in a place called Sullen Dahunga, kind of close to the Rose Bowl. And 
I didn't drive, and I needed to figure out a way to go to the football game. And so, um, so one of my friends was in high school, and she was in the, the band, the marching band for the high school. And she said, why don't you just sneak on the bus with us, and we'll get you down to L.A. And I said, well, won't the teacher know that I'm not in the band? She goes, no, he doesn't even know who's in his class. I said, okay. So I get to the high school. They put a band hat on me, a band vest on me. 14 years old, and they tell me just to give some kid's name in the back of the line as the teacher's taking roll to get the kids on the bus. So I walk up to the teacher, I give him some name that's on the back of the bus. He looks at me, he says, oh yeah, I remember you. <laughs> so I walk on the bus, I sit down, have the great time. I'm, with the, I'm in middle school, junior high, I'm with high schoolers. It's a great, great time. We get down to the LA Coliseum. I get to get out, I get to, to march in with the band, I get to sit down, in the, I don't know how to play an instrument, I get to sit down uh, in the seats with the band and let them do all their thing and everything, I'm just having a great time. Then it's halftime. Halftime, we're losing 21 to nothing, and the uh, game's pretty much over. And, and so the band goes down on the field and they do their halftime show. The LA Coliseum, you kind of go, to get to the stands, you go under the tunnels, and then you go up into the stands. So the band gets done, they go under the tunnel, and I'm waiting for them, and I'm waiting for them, and I'm waiting for them. They don't come back up into the stands. And I'm wondering where they're at, someone says the band has left. The teacher decided to leave early because the game's over. Now, Pastor George is really generous to say I'm a young man. But I, I'm back in the days where there's no cell phones. I'm stuck in L.A. I'm stuck in downtown L.A. Have you ever been to the L.A. Coliseum? It's not very nice. It's actually a pretty rough area. I didn't know what to do. So I began to ask around people if they lived near me and could give me a ride home. Total strangers. And this one 19-year-old bushy brown hair guy named Dave said, Hey, I'll give you a ride home. I said, Okay. So I hop in his Datsun mini pickup truck. How many remember those? And we get, we get in his mini truck, and we're heading down downtown LA. We're heading out. He's, we're driving, listening to 80s new wave music, and all of a sudden, he looks at me, and he says, hey, opens his ashtray, and he says, do you want some marijuana? <laughs> and I look at him, and I said, no, I don't do that. And he goes, okay. So he closes his ashtray, driving, driving down some more down the road. He looks at me and says, hey, you want to go to church? And I look at him, and I said, no, I don't do that either. And he goes, well, there's cute girls there. And I said, okay, I'll go to church with you. <laughs> and so I ended up going to church, uh, age of 14, walked into this youth group, had no idea what anything meant. In fact, they called the uh, pastor, there's a pastor, Plummer was the lead pastor there. I thought pastor was his first name. No idea. Uh, they sung songs about lambs and animals and all kinds of things. I'm thinking, what in the world? Why are they singing about animals and lambs and rain and fire? And what in the world? Why is that so important? I, listen, I had no idea. Um, and so it was strange for me, but I, I did enjoy it. I enjoyed the social part to it. I also enjoyed the message a little bit and I actually made a decision when I was in middle school to follow Christ but I had no idea what it meant and so I I walked away and um, and I walked away during my high school years and I'll share with you in a little bit later just kind of how I circled around 
but I'm a miracle that I'm up here because Jesus cared about me and loved me. Do you know what? You're a miracle in this room too, aren't you? You can come up here and tell your story too. Even if you were raised in the church, you have a story. We all have a story because Jesus loved us and cared about us just like he cares about people in your community, cares about your sons and daughters, cares about your grandchildren, cares about your coworkers, cares and loves everyone. And he goes on to tell another a parable. He says this, he says, or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? When she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now, the example Jesus is giving, during this time, a Jewish woman would get ten silver coins as part of a wedding gift. So they were not only um, valuable to her, but they also had special meaning. Think about things that you have that are valuable to you and really have meaning to you. I can think of some of you, it's on your, if you're married, it's on your uh, left ring finger, right? Your wedding ring. Some of you have diamonds and gold and all kinds of things on there, right? It's worth something, it's valuable, but it also has really important meaning because it reminds you of the commitment you've made. We all have things that are important to us, that are valuable to us, and have meaning. Jesus shows us the same way that everyone is valuable. Everyone counts. Everyone matters. That he cares. And I wonder if we feel the same way about others. The sad thing is, obviously, I've been in the church a while now, and I think this is a general, not just within the church, but people in general. I think people value people many times based on how they act or how they perform. In other words, if you act a certain way or perform a certain way, you're accepted than if you don't. But Jesus isn't that way at all. Jesus loves us and accepts us the way we are. So in other words, my thinking that I had to clean up my act to be accepted by God was wrong. He accepted me and loved me the way I was. And he loves you and accepts you the way you are. I mentioned to you that I was a pastor at a church in Springfield, Oregon. It was called Waypoint Community Church. And I had a good friend of mine who began to go to our church. He was a teacher in the community. He was a youth pastor at this other, it was another church. It was a Baptist church. And um, he came to our church, and I said, so tell me what you thought about our church. And he said to me this. He said, you know, the people at your church are different. Now, we were really good at reaching people in the community, people that maybe didn't have a lot of church background. And I said, so what do you, what do you mean by that? He goes, well, your people, some of them smell like cigarettes. Some of them dress differently. Some of them maybe talk differently. And I said, um, what if those people showed up at the church you were at? What would happen? He goes, oh, our people wouldn't even talk to them. And it broke my heart that, that people can show up to church and not be loved, not be thought of, not be accepted, that they had to dress a certain way or act a certain way to be accepted. That's not Jesus. And I begin to wonder to think like, 
God, help us to love people like you do. Help us to love people without putting certain conditions on them. Help us to love people for who they are because Jesus loves people unconditionally. He loves people for who they are. But it's easy for us to create these different biases based on so many different stupid things that don't matter. And we try to divide and we try to, to categorize people into different categories instead of just loving them. You know the thing that communicates to everybody? I've heard Christians say this, you just need to bring the truth to somebody. Or you just need to do this. And sometimes we use the weapon of politics. We use different weapons to try to, to think that we're reaching people. But the thing that reaches everyone is love. God is love, isn't he? Love communicates and brings us all together. Love communicates and God is love. We say we want to bring the truth to somebody. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. See, that's what connects with people. That's what connected with me. Was when people, it wasn't, when people brought morals to me when I was unchurched, I wasn't good enough. I'm out. I can't, I can't do that. But it wasn't until somebody brought Jesus to me that I said, you know what? I like that. Why? Because he's love. God is love. He goes on, he gives one more parable. And it's a parable that many of you have heard. It's a parable of the prodigal son. And it's, I'm going to just tell you the story because of time. But it's a story about a father with two sons. And one of the sons says, I want my half of the inheritance and I'm going to go and do what I want. So he takes his half of the inheritance. He goes, lives, Bible says he lives a wild life. He spends all his money. And then what happens? The economy crashes, <laughs> right? The famine hits the land. And now he has no job, no money. So he says, well, I'm just going to try to find any work that I can. Finds himself feeding pigs. Can't even eat the pig food. And he's thinking, well, my dad's rich back home. Why don't I just go back home and I can be a servant for him? And so, so he begins on the journey back to his dad's house. And I'm sure that Jesus doesn't say this, but I'm sure if you think it realistically in back of his mind, he's probably wondering, will my dad accept me? Will this really work out? He's on the road coming back, and his father sees him from afar, the Bible says, and he runs out there with open arms. He embraces his son and is so excited to see his son back. And Jesus just shows us here his love for us. I told you I walked away. And I walked away during my high school years from the Lord. Probably some of the greatest regrets of my life were during my high school years. But I thought maybe someday I'll go back to church. It wasn't until I was working at a bank that I got a gun pointed right in my chest. I realized my life could have been done. It was in somebody else's hands, somebody else's control. And, and I began to think, you know what, I got to get back to church. So I went back to the youth group that I made the decision for. It was actually to Hunga Open Bible Church. Walked in there. I was wondering if people would accept me. I knew all the students, the high school students, knew what kind of guy I was. I wasn't a good guy. And I walked in there, sat down, listened to the message from the youth pastor, wondering, wondering if he would even let me come to his youth group. And he shared a message about bringing Jesus in your life. And I made that decision again. 
At the end of service, I walked up. I was so scared because I thought pastors know everything. So let me tell you this. Your pastor does not know everything. He doesn't know all your sins, okay? But I thought the youth pastor did. I thought he knew everything about me, you know. He probably just barely remembered my name if he even knew my name. But I walked up there and scared half to death, and I walked up and I said to him, I'm back. And he looked at me. I didn't know I was going to respond, and he just embraced me made me feel so loved and at home and then other youth that went to my high school came around and loved me brought me into their small group and that's how I began to grow in the Lord I think it's easy sometimes when when someone doesn't respond the way we want them to we give up on them maybe you have a friend or neighbor or family member you're thinking they'll never come to church and never come to Christ never say never because I was that never. And I had a praying grandma that prayed for me all the time. Because God is a God of miracles. You're a miracle that you're here today. You may have been a never too, but you're here. Never give up on people. Jesus doesn't give up on anyone. He doesn't give up on you. And he doesn't give up on your friends, neighbors, family members, everyone that you love and know. He doesn't give up on them either. So why is this important maybe it's important because so many people in our community don't know jesus right maybe it's important because there's people in our community who don't know jesus who are hurt hungry depressed suicidal angry hopeless and they need to know that god loves them too maybe it's important because you want to follow jesus yourself and you want to care about things that he cares about and he cares about people he loves people he wants relationship with people. And if you're a Christian in this room, he wants you to, to let people know that. Let people know about his love. Let him know what he cares about and how he welcomes them as he welcomed you. So I'm going to close here, but I'd like you to stand with me this morning. And I want to read a scripture to you. Actually, it'll be a scripture here next week. I love how the Holy Spirit works, as Pastor George is going to talk about it more next week. But I'm going to read, it's uh, Matthew 5, 13 and through 16, but I want you to close your eyes. Don't look at the screen. I won't cheat. I'll read the words. I just want you to listen to the words. It says this, you are the salt of the earth. He's talking to the you, church. He's talking to Christians. If the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You're the light of the world, a town built on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So this morning... Maybe you're here and you walked in this room and maybe you said, you know what, I don't know Jesus or Jesus isn't really first in my life. I think sometimes we make it so difficult. <laughs> I'm going to pray in just a little bit. And if that's you, like you know Jesus isn't first in your life and you want to put him first, just tell him. Say, Jesus, I just want to put you first in my life. It starts there, your heart to God's heart. Maybe you're in this room and Jesus is first in your life. Your spiritual life is strong. You're doing well. Can I encourage you a few things? 
would you be praying for your community? Be praying for your family members? Be praying for people that don't know Jesus around you? Like I said, I'm here probably because of a praying grandma that never gave up on me. Never give up on someone in your prayers. Always pray, pray, pray. But maybe for some of us in this room, maybe praying that God would change your heart towards somebody. Maybe there's some people or some people groups that you have a hard time loving, that you've had a hard time accepting, that you don't know how to relate to them. So maybe it's prayer, God, help me to love this person or these kind of people. Help me to love my neighbor, the dog's barking all the time. Lord, help me to love this person. Or maybe today you need to pray and ask God to help you use your money and your time to point people to Jesus, to look for opportunities to go. Because it's one thing to know you need to go and love your community. That's another thing to go and do it. Find ways to do it. It could be just opening your house up, inviting people. It could be doing the things that you do well to show God's love to other people. It could just be kind to people. Or when you see somebody walk into church and they're sitting all by themselves, that you can give them the smile and talk to them a little bit. So I'm going to pray, and whatever you need to ask God, say, God, would you help me in this area? Would you pray that? And I'm going to pray, and Pastor George is going to come up and close. Jesus, I just thank you, God, for your love for us. God, would you help us to love others like you love them, Lord? Would you help us, Lord, to, to just to love others and point them to that relationship with you? I know there's some of us in this room that are praying the prayer that, God, we want to put you first in our lives. And, Lord, right now your arms are wide open, accepting us for where we're at, God. Because the more we know you, the more we're with you, the more we become like you. And so, Lord, today, I pray that we would be a church and would be people that show our community and our world who you are, and your love. Just thank you in your name. Amen.